this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. This is Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, coming to you with another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. Glad that you're here with us. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing amazing. Before we get started, make sure you head over to the website, check out www.thehopnerd.com. Follow along on all those different social media platforms at the Hop Nerd, unless it's Twitter. Then it's the Hop Nerd One. Send me a send me an email. I love these conversations. That's my favorite part. The Hop Nerd at gmail.com. Send me a message through the contact form. Send me a message through the DMs. Let's talk. So, talking about conversations, today is really super cool. I've got Robert Dornan on. Robert and I connected through Skype uh, to do a little kind of QA interview. Uh, Robert is a safety professional, kind of a traveling safety professional. He's all over the country, different projects, different locations, so it's super cool to get his perspective. Um, I won't waste any time. We'll dive right into this. I will apologize. Before we get started, I am not a great uh, interviewer. (laughs) I learned this as we kind of went through this, Uh, but I hope it gets better. So that's part uh, part of the plan for the channel is to get some more folks on. Robert is number one. I've been promising this for a while, so... Here it is. Let's dig in with Robert Dornan. So we are here with the one and only Robert Dornan. Um, I've known Robert for quite a while. We, we met a while back in the nuclear industry. And uh, I couldn't tell you exactly when. That was probably about 2013, was that it? 14? Yeah, about 2013. So, somewhere, somewhere right around there. But um, So Robert is just a phenomenal safety professional and... When I started doing this whole podcasting thing, I, I knew that Robert was going to be on the list of people that I wanted to get on here and talk to. And it just so happened to work out that, uh, Robert, you are number one on that list. So you're the you're the first one that's going to be on here to uh, to talk to me. And uh, that's either a great thing or a horrible thing. I guess we'll I guess we'll find out as <laughs> as, as we go. <laughs> but a lot of what a lot of the big reason why I wanted to have you on here is just um, you're a successful safety professional. You do a phenomenal job. Um, you're, you're amazing at what you do. And I wanted to just dig into that a little bit and share that with some folks out there. Um, so before we get started, why don't you, uh, why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, where you come from, what you've been into, what you're, what you're up to now and all that kind of fun stuff. All right. Well, first off, uh, I'm a family man, happily married, got uh, two beautiful daughters and I, um, I come from trades. You know, as a carpenter, scaffold builder, uh, equipment operator, and uh, I come up through learning the the hard things that you need to learn. It's uh, what made me what I am today, to be able to look at different aspects of things and give it a different perspective or different twist. Um, I own Safety Accountability Solution Services. Uh, it's based out of Arkansas. It focuses on training. Um, I'm an instructor, 500 and 501, <clears throat> construction and industrial. I served the United States Army as a communications specialist. After I left the military, I did a bit of fire watch, carpentry, scaffold building, and equipment operators, I told you just a minute ago. I uh, gained a lot of valuable experience with that. 
Uh, several notable projects that I've been associated with is nuclear power construction and balanced plant maintenance. I worked in Puerto Rico uh, power regeneration, power restoration, and transfer, uh, transmission and distribution in Puerto Rico and then Virgin Islands in 2018. I worked the uh, project of uh, putting in um, temporary schools for the children. Uh, but most notable project was working on construction of the United States Embassy in Baghdad in 2007. Hmm. No, that's awesome, man. And first off, before we uh, before we dig into any of that, I just just thank you for your service. So that's that's always huge and always awesome to hear. Um, but man, let me let me dig into this one because I I know this one will generate a lot. How was Puerto Rico? Let's let's start there. How was how was Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico was a culture shock. Yeah. Um, not because of the hurricane itself that had went to or multiple hurricanes that has gone through that area. It you know relates to different governmental issues, day to day life expenses. Uh, how folks travel to get from work, the challenges of coming out of the mountains to come to work and go back, one-lane roads, um, obvious degradation of the transmission distribution lines, um, different building structures, uh, the dams and stuff that they had <clears throat> that weren't being maintenance properly. So it was a it was a culture shock and, and a lot of challenges. So Not yeah, that's for those people there. That's that sounds crazy. Just just in the day to day, just kind of living there, but. Um, being a safety person, trying to trying to practice safety there, what was that like? Trying to trying to work with folks, and because you're you're in a, in a country that's just really tore up from head to toe, right? I mean, it's, you're starting kind of from scratch after a hurricane like that, at least of that size, I would imagine. Oh yeah, it was a madhouse. Things that you wouldn't normally think was getting done <clears throat> would happen. You would try to implement, you know, your safety based uh, observations, safety based training behavior training uh, that you've learned, you practice, and the training that the uh, worker has gained, a lot of that tend to go out, out of the window because you had to get the job done so you can get electricity and water back on for the people there. So yeah. uh, you still followed a lot of the fundamentals, but in some cases you had to find ways to make things work and still do it safely. Wow, yeah, that sounds like you have to get super creative. <laughs> Which is, I guess that, that's kind of cool to somebody like me is digging into that adaptability piece, right? It's like, how do you, how do you take, how do you work with what you've got to be successful, right? So that's, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Uh, and I, what I heard you say really was super interesting to me is getting back to the basics and really focusing on that stuff, right? I mean, that's, wow, that's, that's super cool. So what, uh, let me go here. What, what drew you into the safety profession? I mean, what, what made you decide that this, that this crazy crazy life we call safety was something that you wanted to get into. Yeah, so as a craftsman uh, coming up in the trades, you know, you always notice a safety person, you know, walking around, you know, coming up and either not actually engaging with you, but standing far off, looking, watching what you're doing, having, having a uh, notepad, a pen, writing down a bunch of stuff and not coming up and saying, hey, or uh, doing what I call the approach method, you know, talking with craft, you know, um, looking, you know, talking with the workers instead of talking about how you could stop them from messing up before they mess up, engage with them, uh, and engage their minds in the tasks they're doing and ask questions that make them think far beyond just what they're doing, you know, and then coaching the workers and help them to feel at ease with every safety person that comes through. Mm. Now, 
take for granted, you can't take for granted that not all safety uh, professionals are come from a cookie cutter. Uh, everybody's going to have a different approach. Some is a little more brash, uh, but I choose to use the methods where I walk up, I talk with the person, keep them at ease, ask them what they're doing, how can I help them, what have they thought, you know, uh, in the process of getting to where they're going, what is their end result, and will the end result uh, be what they are looking for and still doing it safely? Or is there a better way of doing it? And I get them to engage, get their buy-in, get them to think, and have them form a new plan. And then we all agree to agree on that plan, change it, and go forward, and it, they're safer for it. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting, too. I mean, that's <clears throat> I've noticed that with you. For the folks out there that didn't catch that part right at the beginning, I've I know Robert. I've had the opportunity to work with Robert a little bit and kind of see how how he functions in the in the functions in the field. And that's one one of the main reasons why I wanted to bring him on here is he's just got a phenomenal approach. I mean, it's, you just have a great approach in the field. Um, and that's the thing that I would ask: is there any any kind of pro tips for those folks out there that might be struggling? Um, you come from that strong craft background. That's something. It was like twenty plus years, right? Something like that. Twenty 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 ish years of craft experience before you before you came over to, to join this crazy bunch of us, right? So I got out of the military in 1998 and started in the nuclear <clears throat> world as Firewatch, did a bit of housekeeping, came up as a scaffold builder and carpenter, and I got to see many, many different crafts. And you always heard the day-to-day -day talk amongst all the crafts and the workers. And, you know, you got the feeling that, you know, that things needed to be a change. Hmm. You know, so I always adopted the approach you know, be approachable. You want the craft to walk up to you and engage you first before you engage them. So they feel comfortable with you and they, and they understand that, that you're not out to get them. You're not a safety cop. You're not trying to get their job. The only person that can get their paycheck is themselves, mm. you know. So it basically comes down be approachable. Engage with your peers. Be positive. Don't show negativity. Always remain professional. Remember, respect is earned, not given freely. And make sure you leave them with a confident feeling that you'll always do right by them and not compromise, but be willing to meet them in the middle and go above and beyond the call of duty. Yeah, I think I think you hit something really, really important there. And that's that's that um, when it comes to trust, when it comes to, to our folks out there, they 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 rarely forgive and they never forget. Right. So if you slight them once, if you don't, if, if you if you if they feel like you've done them wrong once, uh, they're never going to forget that. Right. And they, they might forgive you but they probably won't, right? So you, there, there's a lot of things that can harm trust, right? And very few that can help you earn it. And it, it sounds it sounds like you're really on the right path there with that, is that, that uh, understanding how delicate that that actually is, uh, especially when you're dealing with the pointy end of the stick, right? Especially when you're dealing with folks at the coalface. Um, uh, and especially in organizations where they might have already had bad experiences, Right, that that's they're looking for something a little different. You mentioned change a little bit too. That's something that they seem to seem to look for, especially in those organizations where they've had uh, maybe some not so great experience with with leaders in any capacity, whether it's safety or, or otherwise. Right. All right. So no, those those I think are phenomenal tips. I like for that people. elephant effect, Sam. Uh, once once an elephant something happens to an elephant, it has a very long memory, and it rarely tends to forget what happens to it. Right. Right. No, and we find that, and I'm, I'm sure you've experienced that, right? I, that's that's one thing that's really interesting about your your perspective to me. Not only the the years that you have, um, kind of coming up in the craft, um, but you're in that position that I was in, phew, 
long ago, uh, lo far enough back there to where I, I somewhat forget that I used to travel for a living, right? <laughs> I guess I still kind of do a little bit. But uh, you get to see t jobs and projects all over the country um, from utilities to you name it, right? So you get to experience, you get to experience cultures um, from various organizations, various different types of organizations. You get to feel um, cultures that are different, you know, different based on geography, all, all kinds of stuff. Um, so any, anything that really holds true or, or, or anything that you find that's, that's vastly different uh, from place to place? It's usually uh, what I call the top-down effect. Uh, each organization, each company <clears throat> that you go work with, and I'm talking about subcontractors, um, when you look into their organization, you find out real quick uh, what their top uh, organizations members are talking about, superintendents, supervisors, and on up the chain, um, doesn't always filter into the field with the crowds. The craft will be doing something totally different than we've already talked about in orientations, and then you have to try to change that culture, and then you find out, well, if it's happening here, what's happening upstairs? And then you start looking a little deeper in, you go, oh, I understand. They're not applying um, the training that they've taught these uh, hmm. subcontractors, these workers, these peers, and they're not reinforcing it. The reinforcement is what is needed across the board. If you stay consistent with it, then you don't have really that many issues down the road. Right. And that's, yeah, that's that's really interesting to me, too, because I've, I've seen that quite a bit, right? You go, um, you go to an organization... And I, again, I've, I've seen this in several organizations and chime in, I'm, I'm sure you have too, where we plaster these really good kind of values or rule, not really rule, but values of, you know, really amazing values on the wall. Uh, but then we go out in the field and we see something else demonstrated, right? Or you, you go into a meeting and you see something else demonstrated. And uh, what I found so much of is it's kind of back to that, um, back to that model of organizational culture, right? That uh, it's coming from a deeper assumption. That's kind of what's different. Right. There's there's something that's just not translating. And I think that kind of ties into what you're saying. You, you you go out and you see folks are doing things that just aren't in line and it trickles down from, from above. But that's, that's still something deeper in the organization where everybody's kind of demonstrating that behavior. It's probably coming from something in the uh, something in the assumptions or organizational norms, values, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, again, I think that's that's awesome. And I think that's 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 really cool. Um, where do you think our profession's going? How do you think our job is evolving? I mean, I, I get that question a lot. People ask me that, so I like to I like to relay that on and ask other folks that, so I, I can come up with some better answers because I, I I have some opinions, but I, I don't know. So, what does Robert think on that? Well, I believe that the state professional is evolving with the workforce and industries as they grow, new technologies, new PPE, new means and methods to make jobs safer, uh, better, like barricades, signage. Uh, the culture as a whole, uh, dependent upon the organization and the safety professional that's conducting themselves uh, and how they're reinforcing that on the job site. You know, you got new challenges around every corner. It's not one size fits all in any industry. Uh, what may have worked on the last project could be a big difference on the current or future projects. Um, as a safety person, you have to learn to lean on your past experiences and find other subject matter experts in the field that they practice and come up with a solid solution to the problem. This means understanding that the outcome will be what you expect it to be or don't do it. 
make sure, and here's a military term for you, be ready, ready. Hmm. Know and understand the end result before you do it and make sure that's the result that you're expecting. Yeah, it's super interesting to me to see where we're going because um, it seems like our profession, we seem to take on more and more. We're, it seems like we're getting less pigeonholed, right? It's, um, it seems like we're almost getting less specialized and taking on more more, uh, I don't mean necessarily more job responsibility, but really just examining more stuff. And what, what I've seen, at least around several of the industries that I've been in, is we're almost evolving um, into safety slash human and organizational performance slash something else professionals, right? Um, yeah. Which is super cool to me, because that's, that's obviously the vein that I'm really more into now than really just cut and dry uh, industrial safety really looking at that kind of bigger picture and at least that, that's what i found i found that to be super interesting that we're we're getting to a point to where we're safety might be the catalyst for a lot of us that have kind of gotten into this but we're really getting into the space where most organizations are transforming us into um organizational performance people right kind of kind of looking at the overall process the overall system and how all that kind of plays together in one gigantic one gigantic soup pot right <laughs> I agree. Yeah, so awesome. Um, so have you seen any of this human and organizational performance stuff that I get on here and rant about? Um, just some of the research that I've gone through and looked at and some of the things that I practice day to day, how to try to prevent it before it happens. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a lot of the industry that I'm in right now uh, tends to be more uh, where we are 10 years ago. Uh, you know, still practicing, you know, incident investigations going forward. But on the back end, um, we're still looking at the why, why it happened, uh, how it happened, who was involved, how we stop it from happening again, what can we do better the next time down the road on the next project or going forward on the current project and put those things, those roadblocks in place and make sure it's not happening. That's one of the cool things I found that um, in in more recent years uh, with organizations that that I'm involved with is that we were focused really really heavily for the longest time on that retrospective understanding of how events occur. We we wanted to understand exactly step by step by step, kind of almost in reverse order, right? How things occurred, and we've almost gotten to the point where we're like, okay, we'll do that really quick, but that's that's really almost the most boring part, right? We're really right. getting in, getting into kind of the context surrounding the event because we found that that's way more interesting. We found so much cool stuff there that we can actually work on. We could get to the origin, but really, I guess what we found with some of that stuff is that the origin was just it was just kind of boring, right? It was like okay, that origin could be a hundred different things that end up in the same or similar results, but in the context, we find a lot of other pieces that we could actually get into trying to build some margin or uh, capacity, right? We could. Um, if, if we can come up with some cool prevention strategies, we'll definitely do that, right? The prevention's always always very cool. Um, right. I think that where we're, where we're almost evolving to, or I've seen most evolving to, is that we're just, we're already really good at prevention, it seems like. We do a pretty good job at that. We, we prevent most bad things from happening. And we're getting to the point to where we're trying to, on the backside of that, say, okay, well, when this stuff fails, when all that prevention stuff fails, because it's probably going to, because we deal with people, um, how are we going to make sure somebody can walk away from this or at the very worst limp away rapidly, 
<laughs> you know, how, how can we minimize the outcome as much as possible uh, to make sure that, that we're we're getting to the point of, of great SIF controls, really great serious injury and fatality prevention. That's that's really where we're trying to get, because that's the one thing that's really stayed stagnant. I'm sure you've seen that um, in industry overall is that fatalities and serious injuries across the board have just remained kind of that same line. That's really the one that we're trying to attack. Right. Um, before we uh, let me circle back a little bit um, before we before we wrap up here. Um, thinking back to your um, jump into into this profession, and I think back to mine, um, if you had to if there's somebody out there listening, a young um, crazy and I will call them crazy if they wanted to get into this job, but <laughs> a young crazy person that wants to get into what we do, um, whether that be industrial safety, human organization performance or something similar. Uh, what what would be some advice you would have for them? Well, don't think that it's an easy job. Don't think mm. it's an easy paycheck. Uh, if you're if you're not going to come into it for the right reasons, having a passion uh, for people, and it's not having passion for safety, it's having passion for people. Wow, that's people powerful. Who you yeah. work with who you're working with. Did that person come to work safe that day? Was that person running late? Some of the things I talk about my in my orientations. Hey, if you're coming to late work, just be late. Don't put somebody else at risk and yourself at risk because it doesn't only just affect yourself. It affects everybody around you, your wife, your husband, your mother, your aunt, your uncle. It just trickles out to everybody. It's a big it's a big um, open swell. It touches everybody else, including the other family member that you may have hurt. Right. Um, Think of it as you're coming in to take care of your own family. And that's what it is. When you're out here on the road and you're working with these work groups, that's your immediate family. You have your family back home and safe and sound, but you're there to protect them. That is that is your core safety value is to take care of those folks. That is your number one job. Uh, not a priority because priority changes. The value goes up, value drops down. You need to make sure it's inside your core that that's what you want to do. Uh, and then the backside of that is, is when you are doing that job, don't treat it as a job. It's not a job if you love what you do. Right. You know, so the passion's got to be there. You got to do it for the right reasons. And if you're going to try to get into this, do it for the right reasons. Ask your, your local safe professional at your job. Do it with the right approach and not the mindset that you think it's easy because there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of times that you sit in the hospital or emergency room with that worker that may or may not have got a severe injury or a fatality. Mm. There's a lot you got to deal with. Then you got to deal with the families. So there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. And you see us just walking around out of the field doing audits, risk assessments, and looking at things and trying to keep folks safe. So it's not something to take lightly. It's a very serious, uh, very serious profession. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the piece that I, I like to share with people as well is that you have to be prepared for that. Um, um, the profession can take a serious emotional toll on you, right? If if you if you let it. So um, I think you hit something super powerful there, and I love it. I love it is that um, you know the big thing is that you have to have a passion for people, and I, I think that's that's awesome. That's that's just the best way to put it. Is it's not a passion for safety. It's not a passion for compliance. It's not a passion for any of that stuff. It's a passion for people. And that's, that's just an awesome, awesome way to put it. That's our words of wisdom for today. I mean, and you heard it straight from, straight from Robert here. So where, where can people find you, Robert? How can people get a hold of you? Um, you can email me at robert.dornan at 
sass-safety.com. I have a LinkedIn uh, account that is www.linkedin.com backslash IN backslash S-A-S-S-S-A-F-E-T-Y. That is SAS Safety. Awesome. So what, I, what I'll do for those of you wanting to get a hold of Robert, um, I will make sure to link uh, his email and his his LinkedIn address in the show notes for this so you can get a hold of him pretty easy. It'll be one uh, one click for everybody. So uh, as Robert mentioned, he's, he's got a company. He does some great work. If you need somebody to help you with any, I, I would assume just about any of your safety or health needs, um, Robert is, is a good one to get a hold of. He'll definitely do right by you. So um, with that being said, Robert, do you have anything else you want to share before we before we sign this thing off? Uh, be safe. Take care of your family. Until next time. How about that? And I'll just, I'll add a uh, have fun while you're doing it on the end of that. So that's all I've got. I want to, I want to thank Robert for coming on and joining us today. I'm going to leave you with, uh, with his words of wisdom. Once again, to have a passion for people, not safety, not other junk, right. But people that's, 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 that's the important part. So, uh, well, I appreciate it, Robert. I appreciate it, Sam. And uh, as always, uh, you've been a great mentor and friend. Oh, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on, buddy. All right, bud. Have a great Bye. night. You too. So what do you think? That was uh, that was live with Robert Dornan. Um, the one thing that I will throw in here right now is uh, uh, Skype, for some reason, seems to seems to intensify my Appalachian redneck accent for whatever, <laughs> for whatever reason. But it's there. It makes it sound super, super awesome. So um, let me know what you think. Robert, uh, again, check out Robert's uh, LinkedIn. Make sure you send Robert uh, an email if you need any help. I'll make sure to link that stuff down below. Um, send me your thoughts thehopnerd at gmail.com. Make sure you check out the website, www.thehopnerd.com. Follow along on social media. Send me your questions. Send me your comments. Let me know what you thought about Robert. Uh, any comments that you have for Robert, any questions you have for Robert, I will direct them his way as well. So let me know what you thought. Until next time, bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>